Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> it's gonna be really emotional. There is no loss for being honest. The real work of life is the work that we do inside ourselves. The responsibility we feel towards the world, like questioning, challenging, say something. Raw and vulnerable and open conversation. That was the best part. I'm scared of the friendship. Taking a breath. Just talk. Shame and guilt. Vulnerabilities. <laughs> that was about to be What does it really mean to be friends? We trust the real work that we do is overcoming our insecurities every day and learning how to love more. It has examples of the change we want to see in the world. Just talk. taking a breath. So if we just take a breath. Well, my face is on fire from the doctors. <laughs> To have healthier relationships with women, they need healthier relationships with other men. The real work of life is the work that we do inside ourselves. So I'm in an open relationship with my husband, and my husband and I sold our house ten months ago. We have twins that are four years old, we travel around the world, and this is my boyfriend. Hi! <laughs> Perfect! Hi. Hi, welcome to Amory, where it's our intention to bring more love into the world, one vulnerable conversation at a time. And you probably guessed by the topic of sex, this one's pretty vulnerable. Very vulnerable. Yeah. Hi, Marty. Hi. <laughs> so we're recording this together because we noticed as we were recording, actually it was afterwards, and I have to say thanks to Kyle for helping us find this spot where um, it was clear that Marty and I hadn't fully healed our past. And that's part of our process with recording these episodes is that we're, it's real time processing for us. We record it and we share it with you. And in between, we have to listen to it and generally some stuff comes up for us. Yeah, and this particular episode was very triggering. It's hard, it's a harder one for me. And there was a point where you're gonna hear it in the episode where I accused Megan of having always violated when we had rules and it was incorrect. So one, it's to, to say, First, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, second is to say that, you know, in that triggered state, it was something that I had done, which is how I hedged our journey was I, I allowed myself to imagine Megan violating more every time we had rules where she kind of was allowed. And you'll hear our journey in that in this episode. Uh, but she didn't violate every time. She violated very few times in the time that we were together. But I put my my lens on as if she was always violating. And I'm sorry, because you're not mm -hmm. always violating. But this is, again, like what Megan says, the beauty of these episodes. We get to go and listen. And it's like our real time fucking mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. Well, learning. We're still yeah, learning, learning through this. And then we have to go back and when we review it, other shit comes up. Because we have to go through our transcripts and things like that. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you know, we're like, oh, oh we're still wounded. We there. are still healing. But it's led, it's led to an incredible growth for us another level of evolution and i think this episode's another level of vulnerable evolution for all of us it is so listen it should be good there's another one in patreon we have a more even more vulnerable one <laughs> more so, details yeah, more details in there so for our patrons go take a look at that if you're interested in uh sex this is the episode for you <laughs> enjoy yeah thanks for following along in this journey and marty thank you for continuously continuously learning and growing together that's what it's I'm all about i'm really grateful for you I love you. Love you too. All right, guys. Enjoy the episode. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Emory. And you guys once again are in the bedroom with us because that's where we record these podcasts. Actually, it's really fitting for this topic because we're talking about sex, which is, I think, one of our fans' most favorite topic to ask questions about. 
perverts. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Why is it and why is it so hard to talk about? I think that's why people are interested because it's so hard to talk about it. For me, it's hard to talk about it with a large group of people. But one on one, I'm actually really good at talking about it. And it's one of the things I think I find that my partners have appreciated about me. And one of the things that I have developed over time that I really enjoy is open dialogues about sex and fantasy and what we like and what we don't like. I mean, that's really where our whole journey started. Yeah, actually, come to think of it, really, when I started to go through this process of challenging jealousy and getting into the, the flow of it, I was realizing, like, I painted a picture of the version of Marty that was cool as fuck, right? Like, this smooth, chill, relaxed, sexual person, and who would he be? Like, who would I be if I was being that? And your sexuality came into play, Megan. Mm -hmm. And with that, I started asking you questions that you wouldn't answer mm -hmm. because you had no ability to vision the future. You shut that down. You had no ability to fantasize. You weren't willing to get intimate. Yeah. You just asked me about my fantasies and I don't, I couldn't even tell you because I think I had even blocked that from my world. So I feel like so much has changed over the last couple of years. Well, now that blocking of the fantasy and being able to say it is also how my partner has talked about things with me, when we first started connecting, she was like, wow, I, I can't tell anybody else this. I've never been able to tell another partner any of these things because men are jealous or insecure or all these other parts. Like she couldn't talk about exes. You couldn't talk about exes. So one of the things I did was I do what Marty Batia does. And I go to this little thing called Google and I started searching for top female fantasies. And I started cross-referencing all these top female fantasies and whether it's like some cheesy ass online magazine editorial thing or like some psychological journal, the top five to 10 are pretty much the same ones. It's like group sex, three way with two men, bisexual fantasy, some sort of BDSM. And then I started reading a little bit further and a lot of it started talking about boyfriends, ex-boyfriends and, and having these dialogues and what women like. And if they can't even talk about ex-boyfriends, how the fuck are you going to get them to talk about Anything else. Fantasy. Fantasy, yeah. right? So before we go into all of this and, and the sexual journeys that I think that we've all been on, I wanted to kind of break the ice with a vulnerable share. Oh, shit. And this <laughs> <Surprise>. is something. <laughs> and, and set the energy yeah. for myself and for us. So put your pants back on. <laughs> Just <kidding. laughs> Actually, take off my shirt on that one. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. <laughs> what was I talking about? One of the things that I was confronted with very early on, which was when in our first threesome, was that Marty has a bigger penis than I do. <laughs> and that was something that, that it's like your biggest, that it's as a man, it's your biggest metric of your manhood. And that was something that I was confronted with very quickly. And I'm not to say, before, before I, I, I can't, I have to finish this real quick. I'm not saying that I'm a small, that I have a small penis. I'm saying... That I'm very, I'm in the average range according to a white Caucasian man, <laughs> according to Google. But, you know, I think we all measure ourselves in that way. So there was something that, that I wanted to share that was very early on that confronted me around sex, of course, which is connected to our bodies, which is, of course, connected to our, our worth. And mm. that that was uh, <laughs> what, I, what I ran into really quickly on this journey. Well, well, I ran into that right away, too. It's like the first thing that every guy thinks of is like... <laughs> 
<laughs> what if she's gonna find gigantic cock and love it? <laughs> and, what did and, you say to me that one time? You're like, if he's hung like Thor. Yeah, if he's, if he's got Thor's hammer, we're pretty much doing it. Yeah. Right? Like, and, and at the end of the day, though, like I think it's the insecurity that all men face because it is the the measure, the unit of measure, pun and totally intended, of what we think sexuality is an indoctrinated male. And what do you think porn has to do with that too? Totally. Right. 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 This is so funny because I got all the questions from our Instagram followers. I wrote some of the things that I I wanted to discuss and it was not that. You just totally <laughs> got me off guard because I just wasn't thinking about it. And for me, it's not even it's not a big part of our story at all. Yeah, it's just really interesting. Yeah, I think the that we're going to be talking about threesomes and like sharing you and like Megan, you know, Kyle and I have shared Megan but Kyle and I are straight. So we don't, you know, the, the people ask all the time, well, how, like, what are you and Kyle doing? Like we're the, the reality is depending on what you're up to and what your relationship structure is, we're really serving Megan and the attention is on Megan and Megan's body, Megan's Megan's thing. And it's like, it becomes comfortable because you're so focused on who you're doing, <laughs> who you're doing. <laughs> who you're doing. And, and what you're doing that like all the rest of it just, eases away and like you know we've also had a threesome megan you me and another woman Mm -hmm. that wasn't anything like i thought it was going to be either because it was much more loving and much more intimate and much more amazingly like special than it was just straight sexual yeah so oh i want to talk about so much here i want to describe our first couple experiences because i think that that's really helpful in understanding our relationship here And I also want to describe what I think a lot of people who haven't experienced threesomes might think about them, because I think the porn industry has done a very big disservice to actually understanding what a very intimate, beautiful experience can be like. Because my biggest pet peeve with porn is that there's no talking about consent beforehand. There's no there's no really framing of it. They don't really tell a story. There's not necessarily a hero's <laughs> journey involved, in this one, right? Like, no. But Erica Lust, who who interviewed mm-hmm. us on her podcast on her uh, blog, and then featured us on her Instagram, is very much changing that dialogue in the porn industry. People are are in much better circumstances. The staff is paid right. The the people that are actually producing it are treated well, and like there's a lot of of testing and all these other things. And so she's even got a TED talk. So I highly recommend. In fact, looking for a more ethical porn habit mm. as you go along. But I think you're right. I mean, you know, I've been campaigning for a threesome since I was 16 years old, like most young men, right? Sure. But but I'd be honest with that. At 16 to maybe mid 20s, there was no fucking way I would have been able to handle it, right? I I would have just been like, oh, I I came 15 minutes before I got here, right? There's no way that I would have even made it to the to the bed, right? Like, and because it was such an inflated intense mental experience that your nerves are way up mm-hmm. right like i feel so grateful that i had these experiences in the time that i had worked on my body that i did you know i worked on kegels and my own performance and my own orgasm and things like that so that that not only do you have the endurance for something like this but you have more sensuality out of it and more more calmness around it it was much more a loving experience yeah I'm remembering our first time together. And I think for our listeners that have been listening for a while, you probably know the story of where Kyle and I met. And, you know, we started 
talking, but it it was really thanks to Marty who opened up the space for Kyle and I to be physical together. And that was with you present. I remember the day that we had Kyle over and there was a lot of tension in the air. We had already talked about. Uh, that was funny. That was, yeah, we were so nervous, you and I, Kyle. Super nervous. <laughs> well, well, okay. All of us were nervous in the sense that, you know, if you take a step back from there, our first mm-hmm. experience is actually going to a huge sing- swinger party in Chicago, right? Gigantic mansion, like McMansion type of thing, as they call it in Chicago, like floor to floor to floor, naked people from basement to the third floor. And like, but an amazing community. So, so to the swingers listening out there, like mad respect for you. You broke down a lot of like body shaming issues, a mm-hmm. lot of things that we've learned going into that space. But swingers, a lot more recreational sex than polyamory, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So what we discovered in there was that we were much more into intimate relationships and we we're still kind of going crazy in that space. Like we literally went to this party and ended up going with like five other couples to a hotel afterwards. <laughs> and like, it was a little bit zero to 60. And they that, were all impressed. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, you and I didn't really do much with anybody else. There was one woman that you and I both interacted with. And that's actually kind of funny after how many years 15 plus years of not being intimate physically with anyone else that I remember Marty looking at me like puppy dog eyes going like, Oh okay. my God, I'm sitting I, on the bed of this. Her? I'm can sitting on the bed of this nice hotel room in Chicago. I think with just my boxers on at this point. And the husband of this woman pushes her onto me. Right. And she's like on my lap making out with me. Now this is the first woman I've kissed. Since, since like me. i don't know 18 years mm-hmm. 20 years something like that and i'm how did that feel marty terrifying <laughs> right? i i literally one was like i remember you know i generally don't have an issue with like getting hard but i was like not getting hard at all right i was sitting here like my blood pressure was so high blood couldn't go to my <laughs> heart it pumping. was my heart was like exploding and i'm sitting here looking over at megan who's gorgeous and like sandwiched between two people that are like making out or something like that. And I'm looking at her like, do I have permission for this? What the fuck is going on? I have no idea. And it was, it was pretty soft. Yeah. Like it was a soft entry. We didn't, we didn't have sex with other people. We did make out bodies were touched. These are things like you and I went off to the side and, and did some stuff. And like, it was a crazy and amazing, great experience because the people were amazing and welcoming and friendly but yeah i was fucking terrified so at least you were warmed up because when i arrived i was not warmed up i had no experience and i think whatever that experience was like for you i think it gave you some confidence because Mm -hmm. what my perception was that megan was really comfortable with the threesomes and i know you were nervous as well as i was but i think once you started to once we first kissed in in front of marty and i think as it started to warm up I think you, to me, you suddenly became really comfortable with this and I felt really distant in that way. And that was, of course, my own perception in my head. But I think all of this stuff was happening really fast for me. I didn't know anything about polyamory. I don't even know if we were talking about that yet because I, all I knew of alternative dating was swinging. And I think that's a lot of, a lot of people when you hear about getting introduced to alternative dating, alternative lifestyles, swinging is like the, it's like the, the first page and, and the first 20 pages of what people Because know. it is the label of alternative lifestyle. Like it is like if you yeah. keyword Google search that, that's what's going to come up. And I think the one thing I would say is that Megan wasn't 
comfortable with the intimacy, but was totally comfortable with the sex. Like this is a whole different. Oh, Me- yeah. Megan's Megan's com- was comfortable in her body touching other bodies. <laughs> like this was like I'm like impressed, but like she couldn't break through the intimacy. Whereas I had been working on the intimacy side of it for a while by that time, where I was I've been in intimate conversations. I've had you know I, the way that I, my business works, coaching entrepreneurs. I've been in non-sexual intimate relationships about people's entire lives because when i'm coaching at that level i'm dealing with their finances their family their fear and so like intimacy was normal for me just not sexual but when we got here i was able to like break the intimacy boundary for the two of you i was able to facilitate that but she was totally the physical side and so marty for you how did you get to a point where you felt like okay kyle is is someone that i think this is okay to do this with it was how you guys bonded originally. It was one, you and I uh, met and had a, a great, vulnerable, real conversation. So I knew you were real, mm-hmm. right? And then I saw your interaction at the holiday party where you guys met and where we all met and you, and the connection that she had was safe. So like you were safe, right? And that was the key element to hear. Like I knew Megan needed someone that was, generally respectful. I didn't think that you would be perfect. I think that there would be breakdown, but I knew that she felt safe, had interest in you. There was a connection that was higher than just sexual. It was like that sapiosexual, the the intellectual side of it. And I appreciated you as another vulnerable male. So it was easier for me to do that. And because I remember we were in Cabo at a conference and we were talking about like we were fantasizing about other couples, other men. I was allowing her to fantasize too about other men. And she picked this guy at the conference. It was a total fucking douchebag. Like I really did not like oh. this guy. And she's like, bring him into fantasy. I'm like, no, I'd punch him in the fucking throat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like I knew that was a big part of it. Like, I'm like, I can't, it can't, the guy can't be an asshole. So what I find really interesting is that some of the questions that we, we had from people assumed that we had to graduate into physical intimacy together, that perhaps you and I, Kyle started separate. So I think it may come to us just as a surprise that we started as a threesome. And I think that that now makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Fear. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fear of me giving you space to do that. Yeah. Right there. You know, I think that came from then, like you said, Kyle, came from the understanding of swingers is the closest thing that I have to understand. Right. And we had gone on a date or two with the other couples to see and to communicate and to learn because they were friendly. And we even had another interaction mm-hmm. or two with the other couple. That was amazing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was the logic I was coming from. And then there was this, and I know a lot of men have reached out to me and Kyle, you about this experience of feeling replaced. Mm-hmm. And that is a real fear right? you, for a male. We're going to walk into, is my cock big enough? And as if his cock is bigger, is she going to replace me with that cock? When the reality is she just wants a lot of cocks. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> Not you, Megan, but yes, you always, right? Like, and it's that's variety. okay. It's One okay. of the things. It's just but... like men want variety too. Like there's a lot of, right. why is it so bad? Why, why is it so is... bad? It's not about, you know, oh, I found a, a bigger one. I'm going to just use that one when she could use both. But what I find, <laughs> what it's a double I find standard. so yeah. funny is that it's a conversation about bigger and not about just different. So you two are different. And the way that we have sex is different. And there's different positions. Yeah, but that's the advanced level. And- this yeah. is that's like when we have to get later into this podcast okay. to talk I'm about jumping that. Ahead. Because, because that might be that might be 
might be actually for our patrons. So I will admit that this is a, a really kind of boundary stretching conversation for me. And I think for us, so one thing that we have agreed on kind of the consent between us three is that we will share some things here because we do want to support people on their journey. And some things are really private for us. We do want to share those, but we are willing to share those with people that are committed, like in a committed relationship, <laughs> committed to seeing us grow through our journey. And those are our patrons. So we'll, we're going to record two, this one and yeah, another one. We want some skin in the game because then it's a safe place for us. Yeah. I can manage it more when it's in patrons and with our patrons than I can when it's just general public. I like being valued. You know, I think what mm -hmm. we're doing is something that's really valuable and I find it as a practice. Like I, I, I said what I said to start this off because it is my practice. If I feel uncomfortable, which I did in my stomach, mm -hmm. I want to, I want to smash that by doing something that, that I know feels uncomfortable. And it also demonstrates how far I've come, because if I can admit that, I can admit what I was thinking, I can also demonstrate the contrast of now I'm actually sharing it. Now I'm actually through the other side and, and I feel better. I feel, I feel good to talk about that. And mm -hmm. I think so many things were going on early, early on in this relationship. And I think one thing that I was really struggling with was that I just thought that I was going to be a play thing for you. And I think that because I could feel, you know, even, even, so we had our first couple experiences, which, you know, we can go into, but I think what I started to notice was that the sexual energy that I was helping to bring as well. Mm -hmm. And I think both of you had really high energy anyways at the time, mm -hmm. because you were opening it up and you were exploring and, and I know both of your sexual energy was high with each other as it was. So for me, that was really intimidating because I felt like you guys were on this high vibration maybe. And I was coming in and all I was was scared. And I felt like I was just kind of stupid that I was jumping into this, that I was a plaything, and And it was all disorienting anyways of just this is so outside the norm for me. And it's so outside the norm of what I think is acceptable as a man to, to be in a threesome. I mean, it was not something I could go and talk about in the locker room the next day. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it was like, and I had two, my worlds were colliding. Mm -hmm. Like even when I look back at pictures around that time, it's really funny because I have, I had my guy friends who were kind of my, the guys that I've been spending the last five, 10 years with, and we would go out and we would hook up with girls. And that was our life, you know, as single 30 some year olds. And then I met you and I was going on this whole different journey where I was going through uncomfortable things and I was facing all these fears and I was realizing how much sex was something that was in my head really all all going wrong like it wasn't enjoyable it wasn't I wasn't positive around it there was a lot of shame and guilt because I was hooking up with women that I didn't have bonds with beyond the physical and so when the sex would end my experience was feeling guilty and not having much to say and not having a connection which is really what I want and even now when I think about I feel a sexual attraction for someone which is is normal and healthy and I'm good with it I still, I want more before I actually engage sexually with someone new. And I think that's something that's become my new practice of where I, where I started and where I've come to. And that's very different before. It was very compulsive. It was very, you know, urge driven. When I saw a woman that I was attracted to, I would go for it and go for sex as the outcome. And that was leading me to have this pattern that was really unfulfilling. Do you think... 
and I've heard this a little bit out there and I, I think about this sex and intimacy were collapsed. Right. And like sex meant intimacy. Right. Well, and, and that was something I realized while I was exploring this concept of my own jealousy, like, what am I afraid of is what some of the things I asked, am I afraid of the sex? And then the answer came back to me. Well, not really afraid of the sex. Like was, is the sex, the violation that someone else no, if I could turn it into fuel, because, you know, that cool Marty I talked about was like, no, this is fuel. Right. And now it is fuel. Right. Like that sexuality is fuel. So thinking about you being satisfied and, and that, like I heard the two of you last night while I was on my phone call <laughs> and I called it out on my partner. I'm like, I have meetings with my partner at midnight to like 3 a.m. And I'm like, they're doing it again. Right? Like, so it's like it's it's fuel and it's not it's not scary. So the breakdown was not sex and it wasn't intimacy because I wanted her to have intimacy. I wanted because you can have intimacy without sex. You can have that intimate relationship, that intimate knowing, that intimate bond. There are asexual people out there that still have intimacy. Right. Right. And then you have then there it was the intention. And the intention is where I found violation. The intention is where I actually realized my risk was. If the intention was to replace me, if the intention was because things weren't working well between me and her, that was the threat. It wasn't the sex, wasn't the intimacy, but intention. Mm. And I think that's something if you're listening and you're nervous about being replaced, explore separating these things out. So like for you. Back to the question, was sex and intimacy collapsed? Yes. And I think what also was collapsed was that I was going the wrong way about trying to find intimacy. And I thought that, so I think that's what you're saying, is that I was looking for for sex to be the intimacy. And I wasn't finding intimacy and then having sex with that person or having an intimate connection, which now to me means really like, there's a spiritual bond, there's an intellectual bond, there's an emotional bond, and it can be any or all of those things. And I think the more that I have, the more dynamics I have in my relationship with someone, the more I'm interested in having sex with them because it's like that beautiful expression of all of those things. And then we can play in different realms. Like you and I will go from, Megan, you and I will go from having sex to talking about something that's really nerdy to going out and running. And it's like, I love the dynamic parts of that relationship. Mm-hmm. And like, you can always find someone to just have sex with. But for me personally, I want a dynamic multifaceted relationship where you can step into these different worlds that I think I feel like I want to play in. Yeah. I, I think that's so beautifully appropriate. I think for me, I've started to realize that <laughs> my framework is always learning. It's a learning path. And I I don't think I realized until recently that the sexual component of life is just another learning path. So let's say becoming a parent, you learn a shit ton, that's a learning path. Opening up your relationship, that's a learning path. And in our sexual lives, that's another learning path. And I think what I've started to realize, because when you're only with one partner for a very long time, I mean, I would say, Marty, our sex was great always. But you don't have that new combination and in a, a new way to continue exploring yourself. I think you and I, Marty, have, have really evolved recently because we're letting ourselves go into new places that over the 20 years we haven't really gone. But I think in that 20 years, the reason why our sex life stayed positive was because we did change things up along the way. We did 
we did work on new experiences, but I wouldn't say the sex was always great and not because of you, but because of me, mm. right? The sex wasn't always great. I wasn't always happy with myself. Mm. I hated my body, uh. right? When I got up to 215 pounds and I couldn't walk up the stairs without losing my, my breath. And I have, I have a second degree black belt. You know how ashamed of myself I was? I'm like, I got this far. No one would believe that I would have a black belt. Not only that, I'd probably get my ass kicked in a fight. And now this is really something that, that hits me at my core. Cause in my youth, like I had, a, I, I've been in 60 plus three fights between 15 and 19 years old. I was bullied and then I fucking went ape shit and I know how to fight. And to get to a point where I lost that, where I'm like, I, I get winded. I'm going to throw a punch and I'm going to pass out. And like, I, I'm so, I hated myself mm. and my sex wasn't good because my, not because of you, but because I was ashamed of myself. Mm. And because you weren't feeling good about your body, you didn't feel sexual. You didn't feel attractive. You didn't feel how you wanted to feel for yourself. I, I mean, I, I felt like that after having children. And I know that you, Marty, you always did a really good job showing me affection and attraction and wooing me back. But for me, and I read this somewhere in a study that women, women's sexuality or feeling sexy doesn't come from the attention from their partners. It comes from how we feel about ourselves. And I've noticed that more and more is as after kids kind of re re-inhabiting my body, reclaiming, reclaiming, it, yeah. reclaiming my body, which did involve a surgery. I, we had, I had a surgery to fix my stomach in Brazil and I feel, I feel like I've reclaimed my body and I feel very sexy now. And I feel like though that, that has been part of the journey or part of the, my sexual. So journey. I have something to say to all the mommies out there whose bodies got sacrificed in the process. Just you're, all of them. Which, yeah, <laughs> you're allowed to love your body. You're allowed to modify it. When you get a tattoo, you're modifying your body. You pierce your ears, you're modifying your body. You're allowed to modify your body. Megan was an asshole about this for a while. And I... To herself. To herself. To myself. And I had to really, really hold a lot of space for who you were being to yourself. Because I watched you just beat the shit out of yourself. We got to all the way to Brazil. And she's about to have this surgery in a week. And she's like, I've never had surgery before. I'm like, you got a fucking C-section. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you're lying to yourself at that level because you're so, you were, it wasn't afraid of the surgery. You were so afraid to give something to yourself. You're yeah. so afraid of how people were going to fucking talk about you. Fuck them. <laughs> that was a really hard moment for me because I had judged people that had had plastic surgery. I would judge hardcore women that had breast implants I just judged people. And I think that was because I wasn't giving any space for myself in that way. And so I had to go through the releasing of it. And I did it a couple different ways. I remember being on a beach in Brazil and this was before having the surgery. And so I have my little kind of mommy, mommy pooch. And my goal for myself was to buy a bikini and to wear it in Brazil on the beach proudly you know, and to be in my body as it was. And it was kind of like that was my rite of passage for allowing myself to have the surgery because I think you can have it both ways. I think you can both love your body as it is and empower yourself to change it as you want. And I don't think they're mutually exclusive and I thought they were. I really thought they were. And now it's funny because now after the surgery and I feel so, I'm so glad I did it. And it's not to say, you know, I, I don't speak for any other person out there. I think we have our own journeys in that respect. But for me, I no longer judge other people that get surgeries. Oh, here's the thing that, okay, this is the really crazy thing that got me is that I fully and 100% support 
transgender people modifying their body to fit the gender that they feel inside. So taking that extreme of body modification and me being like, of course, you know, change your body, how it makes you feel, of course, empower yourself. And here was me sitting, looking at my tummy going, oh no, I should just be happy with my body as it is. And I finally had to use that same logic on myself is if I would support someone else, why am I shaming myself for wanting to change my body, how I want to change my body? Now, I want to, I want to add to that because a couple of things, first thing that popped into my head is like, when you said body modification, I'm like, I'm thinking bionic. I'm like, if I could get lasers, <laughs> maybe I would do that. And you could have sex for a hundred more years. Yeah. Like I could get a bionic cock. <laughs> so no, I think one, the culture matters. Brazil is a wonderful place to go because plastic surgery is part of the culture and there's no body shaming at the beach. Like yeah, you can be no. an 80 year old woman. In a Same thong. with Europe too. Yeah. Let yeah, it all hang like, out. It was great. Yeah. I, I felt more comfortable, but I, I do have, you know, the, the body shaming versus body love versus all this stuff. Like I had, a, I had a problem dealing with this the other day we talked about mm -hmm. where it's like at 215 pounds and 5'11 and, and out of shape as I was, right. The reason my body was out of shape wasn't genetic. It was lifestyle. I poisoned my body constantly and move it. And I poisoned it at that point. I don't know how I feel about loving my body because I could just say I love my body, but I'd be a hypocrite if I was sitting there poisoning it the whole time. Mm. So really what changed for me and how I lost 70 pounds, 30 kilos, depending on who's listening. The first thing was I decided to take on inflammation and I decided to stop poisoning my body. Right. That was my first demonstration of self-love and body acceptance was that I accept the damage I've done to my body. Wow. And I now accept my responsibility for that. And I'm now going to do something about that and not just love my body anyway while I jam Doritos and Red Bull in the car when no one's looking. Like I'm not, I'm not okay. If you're poisoning yourself and you just say, I love my body, you're lying to me. Mm. Because if you loved your body, you wouldn't put your wouldn't poison, poison. you would move it. You would, you would do things that make it feel really good. Now there are some breakdowns that happen that I'm going to get into in our Patreon section because there's a lot of writing that I have and some I have to have pictures of my whole body transformation from where I was to where I'm going. You have a very sexy picture <laughs> of your body transformation. So, so in that though, Game on, Marty. I, yeah. this is part of my book that I'm writing in the hard reset about body and it's about habit and it's about what we do, these 30, 60, 90 goals and why they suck and like really how to just build habits and, mm -hmm. and hack habits. And so I'm going to write about that in Patreon, but I want to say like, really like, Body modification, okay. Body love, okay. But but demonstrate that, mm. right? And you were sexy the whole time. Uh, thank you. And, and I, I felt that. I really felt that from both of you. And Kyle, oh God, that was a whole part of our journey. Is that... I want to I want to lead into oh, that. Oh please, please. I was thinking about the threesomes that began in the beginning for us, and what I remember, and it's now two years ago, but what I remember is obviously like we were at your house, and I feel like every Friday night. You'd be like come over and then <laughs> and then that would basically be like we'd have a fire then we'd be on the couch and we'd be watching maybe porn or something and then it was like this it was this alternate world for me where i was all of us for me is what you know this is my experience of course and i i'm like you know i could be out having beers with my friends but i'm here <laughs> with this married couple that is opening up their marriage and they're my friends and we're, we're exploring this. And it was, it was mind blowing. I mean, it really was. And I would go home every night 
and I would just be like, who am I and what what is happening in my life? Well, we would have a similar experience <laughs> and, and just a different perspective. I, mean, I, I also remember there was how this started to progress into you two having time together. Yeah. yeah. Was while I was witnessing this experience, I was starting to realize that you needed time together mm-hmm. and that I needed, I didn't need to be there. That was the other part was like, I'm not, what am I worried about? Mm-hmm. Right. Like I just kind of satisfied some of the worry and the curiosity and then realized that, that if I really want her to have intimacy and I want you to be okay, yeah, I have to step out. And it was like slowly, but surely like kind of letting the, the, the tether out. Yeah. I, w- I want to give the listeners a little bit of a progression. And I think I, I'm trying to remember the series of events, but really over maybe a few week period or a few, maybe a month or two period, it was, you know, we went from, we were on the couch and Megan would be making out with me on, and then she would go back to Marty and then back and forth. And that was like mind blowing in itself. And then that would be like end of the night. I, I was like, I have to like go home and like clean up my, like the, the mess of my brain leaking out my ear. Cause it was so incredible for me to just bat like it, understand that experience and what was happening and then next time we would be a little bit more we would go upstairs we would go in your shower and i'll never forget that the rest of my life because the shower if you can picture it is this like red light that already has this like porno like it's like a indie car film vibe where yeah. you're like there's the three of us in the shower this huge, huge shower yeah, yeah. You, it's like the size of a this room uh <laughs> and we're in there and we're <laughs> we're playing and I mean, I am so in my head at this point, I can't even enjoy the experience because, yeah, I'm I'm having the same experience that you had, Marty, at the swingers party. I could not get hard. My heart was out of my chest and I was just losing, I was losing total control of my body. I had no feeling in my body. I think it was numb. And my head is just like t- going crazy with all of these thoughts and I had all these insecurities and I couldn't couldn't feel my body. And then I'm like, Oh, she's not gonna, she's not gonna want to be with me if I don't show like my body is interested, even though I want this. And yeah. And I think you were being really vulnerable with me. Cause you had, you were showing me your, you know, your like stomach. Tummy, yeah. yeah. Which was a whole like, Whoa, that's a whole experience of she's being really vulnerable with me. And, you know, I had actually been with several moms already, but I'd never, I'd never experienced that. And, and just the way that you were vulnerable to me was, it was meaningful but there was so much happening at once. And I think, again, you both had this energy of so long of being together that you were comfortable and, or my perception was that you were comfortable even in this environment. And I felt like almost like I was dragging that energy and that was my perception. So like, I couldn't get hard. I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't get out of my head. And I think, you know, we, we had a lot of of experiences but i think for me eventually i was like i don't know if i can keep doing this and that was kind of what i went to you with megan after i think a month or two because so i was like i didn't know where it was going i thought it might just be this physical thing i knew of course you guys had really good energy with each other and i was you know i was like this is fun it's exploring i i felt like i wanted to do it and keep doing it because it was uncomfortable and i wanted to work through that i knew there was something there but I think eventually I had to ask you for for permission to spend time together alone. And that was kind of the yeah. next phase. Yeah. Now, and- now that process for me was also terrifying. I want to put a thing out there for men. If you're having sex too quickly or you're 
not able to get it up, I will bet you that 95% chance it's anxiety. Mm-hmm. And 95% chance what you have to work on is your comfort level and your ease. Because yeah. even like coming fast is a function of like of of retraction phase happening too fast. It's like being not breathing, not doing these things. Like these are the things that that I've learned over time too that that yeah, that anxiety is debilitating and it's it happens. And I didn't realize I had anxiety even in just one-on-one. And that was kind of the next phase of like, oh, I even have problems here. Like I, I, even when we started spending time together, Megan, I realized that I still had this guilt right after sex. And, and it was this programmed guilt from before. And I was still with a woman that I did, I did care about, you know, I did love, I did have, I could have a conversation with her. I did have these other connections with her, but I still had this programmed guilt after sex that I think I then realized was like the next phase of I mean, this was like a sexual healing journey for me mm-hmm. of just trying to reclaim sex as a positive thing and doing it in, in by really confronting and going through a lot of these insecurities and going through what was uncomfortable, which is two men sharing a woman at the same time. Talk about like two straight men. Right yeah, in. two straight men. Because so- I, that's a big part of it, because I, I think for bi men, it's not the same. Yeah, sure. I think a lot of our people ask about that as well. So I know that that would people are curious about it. So I'm going to back way up and just explain from a, (laughs) from a female perspective. I, there were moments when we were playing that I was like, I can't even believe that this is happening. And obviously I believe in sexual energy. I think energy is energy. And I think being the recipient of attention and sexual favors from both of you at the same time, my little head was exploding. I couldn't (laughs) believe it was happening. And I remember there was a moment after maybe the first or second time we were together and we had a fire in the fireplace and I turn around and I see both of your faces lit up by the fire. And I just, I, I will never, ever, ever forget that image of seeing both of you at the same time, your eyes looking at my eyes going, wow, am I, how is this possible? And, and I realized that I felt supercharged during those moments. I mean, you guys were both giving me your, your attention, your energy. And then I kind of felt like this conduit where I could feel energy from one of you flowing through me and to the other one and then back and forth. And it was, it's an experience like I had never had before. So two things, one's going to be really cool. And one's going to be kind of shitty. I'm going to start with the kind of shitty one first. Because you got all of this attention, because this was all, all about you, and even this opening in the marriage at this point was all about you, because mm-hmm. I had no idea as a married man for the last 15 years if anybody would even date me, if I would have any, I, I was kind of going through the process of, I'm going to let you open up your heart and have this relationship, and I may not even have one, right? And I had to like grieve that possibility. So that was one we where that then orientate the orientation towards you was that you had all the power. Mm. And so that was one of the reasons why I had to like dull out slowly permission to do things without me. Mm-hmm. And you broke and violated it every fucking time. Right. And so like I I knew you though. So man, this is one piece of advice. Whatever you give permission for out loud, in your head, give permission for a little bit more. Because what I did was I basically said, I'm going to give her permission for this, but she's going to violate this somehow. And she's going to lose track of herself in the moment. She's going to to do something she doesn't really realize is a violation because this is what Megan does, right? I'm just mm-hmm. going to like grieve it in advance, right? And then it would happen. 
And then the worst part about it is if I called you on it, I remember I was in New York in a conference. I had gone to New York from Chicago for a conference, couch surfed on the Upper East Side, ate at the conference. I spent $150 round trip the whole time because I'm like lean, lean, lean. I'm in the part of my business where I'm trying to grow. Like I am trying to be the best version of me. I'm super vulnerable. You're with Kyle and you have something go down and you totally violate me and our permission and I bring it up to you. And then you went to resent me mm. and you used some of my weakest parts against me to win an argument you didn't even win. And it was like the most painful thing that I had to go through in this process was the number of times that you violated my permission. Yeah. So, so I think part of it for the men out there, if you're going through this, expect to get hurt. But you can't avoid the pain, but you don't have to suffer, right? You can grieve things. Yeah. And I really am sorry about that because I feel like in some ways I'm still learning pieces of that right now. I I remember those moments. So I'm going to go back actually to where we decided to go from kind of the three of us together to exploring one-on-one with Kyle. I didn't finish my second point. Oh, okay. The cool thing. The cool thing. Okay. Smartest thing I ever did is when I called you and I said, we need to order a whole bunch of lingerie. Oh, we, yeah. We filled up a whole, like, I, he filled up a basket that of That was lingerie. probably our first real good bonding. Yeah. It was, yeah. I, I, well, that wasn't important for me. It was important that we did something that was, like, for her, but I wanted to, like, build that bridge with you. And it was like, all right. Yeah, that was we, a great idea. We filled up a shopping cart each of lingerie. I think it was like 14 or 15 pieces that you got. And we both ordered it and it showed up and we had it all on the table and you had to try it on for us and guess who bought what. (laughs) (laughs) And then she danced for us with some great music on, which I'll never forget that song. That's another thing that's painted into my brain. I don't even remember the song, but well, you're welcome guys for this. this Oh my God. I remember walking up the stairs and seeing basically on the dining room table, all of this lingerie and yeah, just being like a kid in a candy store that I got to try it all on. Yeah, and, and, and it's a gift that show. pays dividends. Yeah. Like it keeps paying. So, okay, so that was the nice thing. I wanted to, I want to kind of balance this thing out. Thank you. There, I really am sorry, Marty, for the moments that I lost your trust because I can now see in our journey how I had opportunities to strengthen our relationship by really being conscious and hearing where your boundaries were and respecting those and honoring them. Well, you broke consent. Yeah, and I broke that consent. So that's the part where if I were a weaker, in a weaker position when we started, it could have ended us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whoever's getting the permission out there, one of the things it's not going to be is fair. And I had this conversation with another open couple. I'm like, it's not going to be equal. If you think egalitarian is possible, it's not. Someone is going to advance faster and farther Mm -hmm. into a relationship than the other one. Someone is going to be okay with sex right away and the other one's not going to be. And you have to control yourself. Otherwise you risk violation and you have to let the other person get there. And I think sometimes the libido takes over and you're just like, nope, I want all in. And why can't I have this? Or you, or someone has it with their partner. Like I have a friend whose wife, he he's very confident. He's open. He let his wife have another partner. He started to have another partner and she panicked. Mm. It's not fair. He's like, well, it's not fair. I'm like, she's not where you are emotionally. Yeah. And she has to get there and you guys have to work on that together before you're going to be able to have it. And it's not fair. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not going to be fair. It just takes the time that it takes. And I think my my impatience and my lack of understanding of how important consent was as a trust building tool. Now I understand that. And I'm really glad that we had the lessons. And I see all of this as a journey to have learned the lessons that now apply in so many other areas of life. I'm sorry. I'm going to say something harsh. The reason why it worked for us 
and that you were allowed to violate and I didn't go anywhere is because years and years and years of our marriage, every time I succeeded, every time I had something good in my business, you resented me. I was already in a constant state of violation. Mm. I was used to it. So this is how I also was able to grieve it in advance. I was expecting it. Mm. You did not dash my expectations. I didn't have perfect expectations. I actually had expectations that were not only low, they were negative. So how did you both work through this? Because I don't, I don't, I remember those times and I wasn't really as cued into your relationship as I am now, but I guess how have you worked on consent or what is at the root of that? I stopped making it her responsibility. I stopped making my emotions her responsibility. Mm. My emotions are my responsibility, right? Doesn't mean I have to put up with it if it's a cat, like if it's constantly causing that emotion and I, but if it's causing an emotion for me, it's a step of like, okay, well, this is my insecurity. It's my emotion. I'm going to handle it, you know, and I don't want to get to a point of disassociating from my emotions. I want to get to a point of evolving over them. Right. And so like, all I wanted her to understand when we had our breakdowns, which you fought me on, mm -hmm. which is that you violated consent. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted you to own it, take responsibility for it. Right. Apologize for it so we can move on for it. Right. I wasn't making you responsible for my emotions. Mm -hmm. I was just making you responsible for your own actions. For the behaviors. Yeah. And I think I think consent is a good topic because I didn't know anything about consent going and starting our relationship, Megan. And I think not that I think you led the way and I let you really be the lead of what was good and, and you know what you were ready for and what you had gotten consent with Marty from. And I always trusted you to to lead that. But I think when I then started to date other women, that was where I started to fail on consent because I wasn't asking you for permission. And I think a lot of that came from resent, which was me looking at you saying, you already have Marty, you already have attention from other, other men, and I only have you and you're my whole world. And I felt kind of at risk in that way. And like it was unfair because I was trying to figure out this balance and fairness, which was a whole problem in itself. But what my reaction was and my resent was, was I just went and slept with a bunch of women. I think there was four or five in a very short period of time. And in, in, I think it was last summer and I didn't ask for consent and I didn't even include you in, in that, in those relationships or what they were. And I think part of me asked for forgiveness and that I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know, you know, we didn't have that relationship where you where you wanted those things and you were able to explain them to me and communicate them and I think that's where we've gotten now which is when I have someone in my life I'm communicating about it I want to include you in that and I want to ask consent when I want something whether it's physically or spending time with that person or anything there's all of these different things now that I want to include you in and I even want to include you in things that I want to explore like BDSM which is something that I've always been intrigued by and I think I've always thought, oh, it has to be this side thing that I do on my own. But now I want to offer it to you and, and I'll also ask for consent mm -hmm. if I want to explore it. And also if it's something that you want to learn about and explore, I want to include you in that. And I think that to me has started to shift my whole mind around making all this a lot more positive and making it all more respectful. Allowing for support. Like that's so the one thing is that I hear there that the. the that happens when we share and communicate about each other's life of dating and sex is that we can support each other when we're having breakdowns because we know about it. But I think 
one of the things you said really hit me hard. And because my other partners that I've had along the way have always said to me, well, you have Megan. It's really common. And that I don't have any risk, yeah. even though I risked my whole marriage. Now I'm in the state of Illinois. Her father is a powerful attorney. They hate me. It's a mother-based state. And I own the company that, and don't own the house, don't own the car, own all the liability. And I let my wife out with a white male from the, originally from the suburbs, which, you know, blonde hair, blue eyed, her parents would love, do love compared to me. I risked everything. Mm -hmm. I risked my whole well-being. I risked whether my, she could just leave and I could have to fight for my kids. Right. So the risk for me is extremely high. Right. And the, the fact is that it's not, oh, well, I have her. I don't, I don't own her. Like, we don't own each other. And that's a big part that everybody needs to know that they're listening here. You don't own the other person. So you can't have or lose in that aspect of it. And my partners have said this to me. It's still a point of contention because there is this like fairness thing. Well, you can always go have Megan. You can always do this. You can always do that. And it's like, you know, there's a bubble that's going on between the two of you where you don't have finances together, you don't have kids together, you don't have all these other things together that that stress a relationship out, that create different dynamics in it. So it's not, there's no even way to make it fair. And what, what I would say, though, is what I was feeling was that power, there was a power dynamic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that was, and I'll leave that to, into you, but what I was feeling was that there was a power dynamic, which rightfully so, I, I was expecting to be is equal power to you as to Marty. And that's just because I was bringing this monogamy orientation that I need to be a priority, that I need all these things that I need to be. Otherwise I'm secondary. And I think I always have talked about, I felt secondary. I felt like a boyfriend. I felt like I was a toy or something where I was, I was just being used. And I think that is because I had no place to put all of this. I had no container. I had no way of understanding it. And I think that's, what I hope to impart to others is that you're creating this, but there's also, there is a power shift that's occurring yeah. and you can, you can get upset about where it's at, but you also have to know that it's shifting yeah. and the, the power has shifted over time between the three of us and, and in a very positive and healthy way. And it's been driven by, you know, me earning more, more power and, and more, more of our time with our, our relationship. But I think, you know, power is a big part. And I think there's a great quote you were thinking about too. Yeah. The quote is everything is about sex, except sex. Sex is about power. Yeah. And power, it's not about you earned more power. You gained more personal power. When we Ooh, have yeah. our own power, we can empower others. We have a surplus, mm. right? When we're deficient in our own power, we're looking for someone else to fulfill that power and give us power. And that is the difference between a victim triangle yeah. and an empowerment triangle. And I came in... As we a, all did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We all did. We were all coming in as a victim. That's like the victim is me not being able to give permission because I'm going to be victimized. It's not an empowered state. Yeah. Right? The empowered state was you and guys me, time not even be able to ask. So even when Kyle and I started exploring by ourselves, it was so hard for me to ask. To, yeah, I would have what? to talk you would, for yeah, you. Yeah, you would have to say, hey, this is what you can do. And it just didn't, I, I mean, I've had to learn how to voice what it is that I want. I had to coax it out of you. And sometimes like I had to admit things you do that you weren't like point things out to you that you were doing that you wouldn't even admit to yourself. Like yeah. you're falling in love. And I'm like, you're in love. And how much is that <laughs> what women 
are conditioned by yeah. and what is that experience for you Megan? well i think about denial so i think i use denial as my coping mechanism my whole entire life and it and it is it's a pretty good coping mechanism assuming you don't dwell there but the fact is i pretty much lived my whole life in denial so even my own sexual understanding of myself is i would deny being attracted or feeling attracted to anyone else because i was like oh i shouldn't i shouldn't feel that so it'd be like deny 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 hide hide shove those feelings way down don't admit it to myself and definitely don't admit it to anyone else. So I had to have an unearthing and a kind of a, a letting go of my denial of it, my own sexuality. It's, it's actually self-abuse because that denial is gaslighting and you were gaslighting yourself. And it's been through this, like we got to this just recently that this like telling yourself that reality isn't what it actually is. Yeah. And then you would do it to me. Yeah. Right. And that the idea was that I, I often knew that like, a sign of you being somewhat abusive to me in the sense of not you're not an abuser, but in the state of being like gaslighting or something like that, you were that when I got more conscientious, I realized, oh, she's beating the fuck out of herself. If you were being mm -hmm. mean to me and fucking around with me, you were just destroying yourself yeah. on the inside. And so that's, that's how I found compassion for you. And yeah. that's why I talk about trauma is a reinforcing loop, because when someone is is gaslighting themselves and they're they're in trauma they're going to create an environment for others that will, will pass that on. Yeah. And then those people will then create an environment for others that will pass that on. And it's quite scary when you think about how these things exponentially grow. So it, when you say the word sexual healing, that's actually really real. And I think this topic, it's funny because I thought this conversation would go a little differently. And I'm really, I love the places we've explored with this because I think what's clear to me is that sex isn't just sex. Sex is never just sex. Sex is, it can be an intimate expression of our sensuality, of energy that we have, of the, something that we can share that's beautiful with other people. Sex can also be a place where we take power, a place where we fold in on ourselves for different things, where we have shame. It's just sex is in itself an incredible, incredible vehicle for learning in with ourselves and with other people. And opening the relationship is actually opening yourself. Mm. It's actually stepping into a process of being willing to evolve and heal these things that are that are hurting inside of you and yeah. the polyamory swinging polyamory these lifestyles are, are a like you said before a vehicle into that and you can use these and it's not a bad thing if you're using relationship to heal we're supporting each other to heal you have to do it with consent you have to do it with love you have to do it with support honesty but it's we have to help each other heal and this mm -hmm. is a, a world of trauma we have to help each other heal do you guys want to shift gears a little bit and answer some rapid fire yeah. questions? Yeah, we can answer answer questions. I was also curious about how our how each of our sexual journeys began, or you know, when we lost our virginity and how our first experiences of sex began. Because I think there's a lot about that, <laughs> and I'll I, I'll start it off if because I think for me I, I noticed that there there was a lot of patterns that like carried into my adulthood from my early days of, of first having sex. And I, I lost my virginity, I think at 16, which was to my, my girlfriend at that time. And within a few weeks of losing my virginity to her, she broke up with me and went back to her, her old boyfriend, who was kind of like a friend of mine or someone within our group of friends. And that created a significant trauma for me around around sex being a really bad thing and a traumatizing thing and a painful thing because sex was like this weapon that became not only something that I use against other people 
and I, I you know, was was doing my own things of just not being faithful. But I think sex became this really traumatizing, weaponized thing that was a pattern that I, I created at 16. And it really lasted for, for years into, wow. my, into my 20s, where I was always afraid that my partner was going to go off and have sex with somebody else and or leave me for that person. And I think you, there's a lot that can happen from our early sexual experiences that becomes our concept mm-hmm. of how this is going to go for the rest of our life. Yeah, sex is really crap to start, you know, from all parties because everybody, no one could talk about anything, right? No one could talk about anything. I didn't have a ton of healthy relationships and friends. I, I was also 16. By that time, I was also in the deepest state of despair and anger in the world. I was also the most dangerous I ever was. In so many capacities, I was suicidal at that time in my life. So we didn't Who talk. Was about this anything. young woman that was willing to go up against well, the there crazy party? <laughs> there were a few, and then then you know my my love of my my first love was two years older than me. And like you know, no one could believe I was dating her, but she was like I was kind of beyond my years because I was living such a high risk life, and like I'm not an idiot. So it was like this kind of weird juxtaposition that I was in. In which case, I wasn't happy with my body. I wasn't happy with anything, even though I was fit. I didn't see myself as fit because I was a fat kid. So I never healed that trauma. And then I, I, there was a lot of just kind of like sex in the dark. Like just didn't, didn't really, wasn't exciting. Wasn't anything. I actually, when I was 38 years old, I had this, this realization because I was peaking in our sex life. I was like, holy fuck. I'm like, I've been having sex for 22 years. If I have sex for the next 22 years like this, I will have like, amazing sex life i'm like i got it's like all my dick has to do is work till i'm 16 like, i think i can make it work past it but i'm like i'm in right that's where i started doing like i'm at the next level of this shit like i wanted to, i started doing kegels and working on breathing now i'm even working on my own full body orgasm as a thing and that's that's hard yeah. that's a lot of energy that's a lot of energy movement where it's like i don't i don't necessarily have that but that's the beautiful thing is that it's gone from this act that you think you're supposed to perform a certain way to an actual ex- exploration of yourself and you know as an experience and i think it takes a feeling like you have a partner you can trust in that and that's why it's so amazing to have a partner not just a partner multiple partners that you can trust because it it becomes this totally different world i take performance very seriously still mm-hmm. but i don't think performance is what you think it is mm-hmm. performance isn't just fucking for 45 minutes straight performance is creating a safe space like mm-hmm. talking dirty to a woman i mean how many women have told me i'm good at it that other men aren't i was like why is that consent uh, right and and i'm not dominating with it mm-hmm. it's playful it's fun like there's a way to do it there's a way not to do it there's a making women care like like understand that their own body is beautiful you know, guys, have you ever complimented a woman's pussy before? Because a lot of you haven't. <laughs> and they need to hear that shit because it's beautiful, right? And it's like, you know, like compliment these things are like, and some of the women have been like, it's the first time I ever heard this. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm like, how low is this bar set? Right? Like, and it really is set so fucking low because men, you just, you're like, eyes closed, lights off, missionary, two pumps and a skirt. And you're like, I got off. We're good. Like, don't do that. But that, that actually brings me back to my, my experience. I I'm again, so lucky. And my first sexual experience experience was with a boyfriend that I dated for my senior year in high school. And we had a really close, intimate relationship. It was, it was honestly, it was really beautiful. 
But at 16, what do you know about sex? I knew and I, and I felt like sex, sex is all about the male ejaculation. Like that's it. That's when sex is over is when he comes. And I think I kept that mentality, honestly, up until the last couple of years. I'm still there. Yeah. Yeah. Where I'm <laughs> wait, working wait, on the last it. Couple but, years. Well, no, even with us, like you coming first is a very important thing. True, true. So I will I will explain that part. Maybe that's more for our intimate details as well. Marty has a very nice tongue <laughs> that has, <laughs> has served me well over the years and now serves other women very well. But there is still and but that's not why I would always come first because as soon as you come then it's then then it's done, you know? Yeah. So it's yeah, like, I hey, let me part. come first because then after you then it's now you have, you want to wow a woman, mm-hmm. right? You want to wow a woman after you come, you finish her either again or make sure she's done. Even with it, like old school, like go with your hand, go with like do something. <laughs> this is what I'm up against. <laughs> and let me also say, you know, another another funny thing to look back on for me is that really when I came into the relationship with you, Megan, I was not committed nor interested in pleasing women. And, and I can say that, you know, with like, you know, a bit of shame or, or, you know, hoping that I guess more sorrow for the past women that I had that, that mm-hmm. dealt with me. So I'm grateful for all of them and, and hopefully they forgive me. But I think what I, you know, what happened with my past sexual life was, you know, not, not very long-term, not very intimate. So there wasn't a lot of pleasing that I was doing for women. And I think that was something that I learned and you really helped teach me you know teach me over time which was what you wanted Mm -hmm. how to please a woman and you know at 33 years old that was when you know starting two years ago was I think when I really started to focus on that certainly have a lot of work to still do but uh, yeah but I think but even even (laughs) even committing to and putting energy towards it I think that was something that really only started for me very recently Mm -hmm. and I think that's Again, when I arrived to this relationship, I was so far from from where I wanted to be and certainly where I am, in, am now. So I've learned a lot in, in that way. Well, two things. I think we should rapid fire mm-hmm. answer some of these questions yeah. that people ask at the end of this. And then, but I want to also say, like Kyle and I joke all the time that there's a reason there's two of us because <laughs> Megan can be insatiable. It could be like, and right now they stay in a room together. I stay in my own room. I want to give them time together to, to live together, to build this relationship. It's what I would want with my partner when we have the opportunity to. I also really actually enjoy having my own king size bed to myself and like having a messy room and watching a movie in the middle of fucking night. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm, sleep schedule, we're just, uh, we're not aligned, you and yeah, I. Yeah, <laughs> well, my partner's in, in, in South America. I'm up from midnight to 3 a.m. Uh, working with her on, a, on projects to keep them. To, 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 yeah, yeah you to know, answer like, that question that probably is in there. Is, is yes, Megan will spend a night with both of us at the same time in separate rooms as well. She'll go back and forth. She'll go back and forth. And it's just like, wow. You know, I was always really impressed with that. Especially, <laughs> especially in, It's yeah. been a little while. I feel like quarantine has kind of decreased my drive a little bit, at least in the beginning, because everything was so uncertain. We had stress. And I feel like, yeah, I yeah, feel like yeah. with stress, my sex drive goes down. We have gone through emotional roller coasters. Yeah. Our individually, together. You know, we've had moments of depression. We've had big challenges. Like, it's normal. And I think we've all actually, you know, at least I can speak for you and I, Megan, where we've we've gotten to a place where we can communicate. Like, I'm feeling stressed. I'm feeling low. And it's not, it doesn't become this like, oh, she doesn't want me again. Mm-hmm. It's it's just like, yeah, I feel you. Sometimes I don't feel like having sex and, and we just talk about it. Yeah. And I think, again, that's such a, you know, stark contrast from what I was used to, which was 
you have to perform, you have to do it tonight. It has to be this incredible thing. It's got to be 45 minutes knocking the bedpost off and, and <laughs> otherwise you suck. Yeah, I think yeah. that was not that. Yeah, right? we've evolved. We've evolved from Well, that. the coolest part now is like we use this for role play where I'm the sexy roommate, right? Like I just get like I just get <laughs> used. Very nice. I get you two used. are always role playing. Yeah, I, well you <laughs> have to after 20 years. Right? Like, like you gotta keep it interesting. So two role play things. I get to be the sexy roommate, which I just get used, which I kind of like. Right? Like the boy toy, right? And then on the other other side of it one of the things we did to to role play when you weren't ready to do it is we uh, this is another brilliant move by me thank you very much Marty. Mm -hmm. is uh i realized i really wanted her to role play but i couldn't get her to be anyone else so i'm like okay you can be yourself and i can be myself but we don't know each other and we have to find new things to connect on after 20 years which was tough but also fucking awesome and lit our sex life up mm -hmm. because at that point you know, we were like sex two or three times a day like every day for months yeah it was insane Right. And like that also satisfied that that's where we were and that's not where we are now. And that's OK, because it ebbs and flows and changes. And mm -hmm. it's like that's that's cool. So let's answer some questions because it's getting long and I want to make sure we answer some of the questions that are on there. Pick some, Megan. I'm sure people will enjoy a longer sex episode. Yeah, I yeah. think people mind. Um, some people asked about do we have a sex schedule? And the answer is no. We just kind of play it by ear. We're really open. Very to opportunistic. Saying, hey, yeah. Hey, like, how are you feeling? <laughs> we have kids here. That's the other part, too, is like if it's late, if it's during the day, I have to give them time. If it's like, you know, we have to, you know, have to the, coordinate. I have the, to be like, hey, I'm going to go take a shower with Kyle or yeah. Kyle. I'm going to take a shower with Marty. I love showers, I by think, the way. But I think what's changed over time, and I've noticed this, Megan, because you're kind of the, the conduit here, is that you have seen, oh, I don't have to do tit for tat. Yeah, you know, it and, doesn't have to be And equal. I think that, again, has been the evolution of all of this, where I think you were you were always trying to satisfy both of us and keep it equal, which became this like job onto itself, which mm -hmm. is not flow, which is not yeah like what Marty you know wants this right now and I I need this and it's not recognizing that our our energies are going up and down over time you know our our sexual energy and and even how we're all connecting. Well, you and I had to evolve differently. Like I had to evolve and be like, okay, yeah, if I'm staying in your condo and I'm hearing you guys have sex in the other room, but I don't really feel like having sex, then there's like this moment of like, oh. I can just let this be hot. I can be like the hot wife fantasy. Just like transform it. Like <laughs> I got over, there would be nights nice I'm fucking tired. You guys like this, is like Kyle, your turn, right? Like, <laughs> like, like it's, it's just like the more, the less anxiety you have about the less you have wrapped into it, the more you can let it flow, the, the more, yeah. the, the easier it is. Right. And I realized too, that I, I kind of, I do still use each other, but not in the way that you think, um, because I can, take sexual energy that let's say Kyle and I have generated and then I can then go in your room, Marty, or vice versa. Marty, you and I generate the sexual energy and then I take that back to Kyle. So You're it's just too full of sexual energy. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's another question. All right. <laughs> Here's one that I think was interesting was how when Megan you Megan, when you and I started exploring together, how were you including Marty in that in that experience and how because I remember you you would be texting him sometimes when oh, we yeah. were in oh, she we had talk? to tell me she yeah. had to tell me because this was part of the the reason she had to tell me what was going on was because of deceit right and building trust. we had to build trust yeah so yeah. I had to be able to be part of that what what was going on you and, had to basically give up privacy to to satisfy me and I had to get trust from you until I didn't like till now I don't need to know yeah 
Sometimes I can just hear it. Right? <laughs> Let's answer some questions. No, that is that. a question, though. Okay. Do we share details, intimate details? I think we do. And Marty, over the time that you've had different partners, it's been nice for me to understand what is it that you like about different partners? What is it, you know, can we and do you some want different, different things? Details, right? And I do. Like, for me, I like having details. I like knowing. And Kyle, when you have been with other partners, I like knowing, okay, well, what, what does she do? And how do you like that? And yeah, it's just ways to learn about and for me too now like my partner in south america sometimes it comes up for me where there's like this moment of insecurity that she's going to be with someone else of course she's going to be with someone else it's an open opportunity but i've asked her to communicate to me when this happens so i can be part of the conversation so that we can use it as sexual fuel but it's also about i need to know for safety's sake like that we're getting tested and these things are going on and she's safe these types of things uh, let's talk about that you know and and that's the we want to be safe. We have multiple partners. We do safe sex. Like, you know, if you're having sex with a lot of partners, then then the rule is you have to use condoms between each other. If you've been tested and then you're you're somewhat monogamous, you're basically with each other and we're all together, then then we're allowing for more. You have to be careful. These are the things that that we had to work through over time. And I think it's really important to have an open conversation about STIs, have open conversations about number of partners, your your mm-hmm. safety with that partner and get tested. Get tested. And that yeah. was something that, you know, I screwed up on, which was, you know, I had a new a new lover in in my life. And, you know, she she basically asked me if if I would be with her without a condom. And and basically what I was, you know, my decision at that point was I didn't talk to you about it, but I I made the the decision on my own to say, okay, I'm gonna get tested before and tested after. Now that was a bit expensive, number one, but also number two is when I, I realized that, you know, obviously I didn't get consent and that was, we hadn't really, you and I hadn't, to be honest, set that rule, even though it was kind of, I think something that I should have been more careful about. And because I haven't had a committed relationship, I think I haven't been as, as conscientious of these things, but that was something that I had to, to repair and mm-hmm. I had to fix. And now I've been working through that and, and obviously earning your trust back and, and making sure that I'm overly asking, overly cautious when there's someone, someone new coming in. And, and also, I think, wearing condoms with, with new people until there's a deeper partnership. I think that's what I feel comfortable you know, with as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we affect everyone in our relationship. Right, and that affects Marty yeah. and Marty's partner and when we have these this polycule, you have to be really conscious of that. And I think, you know, how you know how we get tested and and you know with new partners and wearing condoms, I think is something that uh, it's transparency. Right. It's transparency. And like I think that's that's what I want. It's transparency and honesty builds trust. And then we can have open dialogues about it and we can decide together what boundaries are there and what you're willing to accept and what you're not willing to mm-hmm. accept. And then and you have to accept the consequences of the things you're not willing to accept and so forth and so on. It's about like adulting, mm-hmm. not adultery, being an adult. Yeah. I want to do a whole other episode on STIs and okay. consent. And, yeah. Yeah. I do so, want to wrap it up with one wait, wait, fun question. One piece of advice you would give to listeners about approaching sex openly. Give. If you want your, like, if you're in a relationship right now where you want to be the polyamorous one and your partner, you want to approach your partner about it. If you're just like, I want to be polyamorous, you're just basically greedy. Right. You need to you're just asking. You're, you're just not asking. Giving. You're not giving. You need to go in and, and and really repair the relationship that you have. Find the intimacy there. You know, give 
give an opportunity for them to communicate about their fantasy, give an opportunity for them to get through their wounds, give an opportunity to explore things with you, conversations with you, talk about, you know, what is polyamory? What are swingers? How do you feel about these people? All these other things, like, would you consider this? Maybe I would consider this, but you would have to be, Megan, you would have to be healthy. You'd have to be okay with it. You have to know that I'm not replacing you. We have to get to these, these levels of detail and intimacy before you're just like, I just want to fuck other people. Mm -hmm. I would say to try different things, you know, to try different things and doing it obviously in a really safe in a safe way. But, you know, for me, it's, I think about things like, you know, I've heard about a lot about Burning Man and how Burning Man has these different workshops and you can go and experience different things and you can, you can watch, you can take part, you can learn about different kinks or different you know, all, all different types of things is what I've, I haven't been to Burning Man, but I've heard a lot about it. And to me, I think that's a really powerful way to learn about new things and, and see how does that, how does it feel for you when you're in a safe environment? You know, how does, how does bondage look? How does it feel? And, and it may look and feel differently than you've ever experienced it before, whether it's. Yeah. You know, Threesome wise was way different than I thought I was going to experience it. <laughs> right. With two women, the fact that how it started was very loving mm -hmm. right and easy and intimate and sexual and sensual and not at all like porn mm -hmm. you know but great and i i enjoyed it far more than i ever would have i enjoyed you but, enjoying yeah, it far more ever would have. you know like <laughs> i think i have a good journal i think i have about 20 pages of journal entries on that one experience yeah and like you know yeah we got a child calling so sex can be also interrupted by children calling you. So I'm going to go handle that. <laughs> All right. I think we'll wrap it up here. Do you have kind of a, your favorite peak sexual experience or something that was surprising since Ooh. we've opened up? Yeah, I think for me, what comes to mind is that we, so we, we started off with threesomes as, as we've talked about, and then you and I started having our own alone time. And I think the, the coming back when, when we kind of went back to threesomes again and we did it, you know, infrequently, but to be able to come back to it like a year mm -hmm. later or six months later and to see how much I had kind of healed and grown and become comfortable with myself, which was really the big change for me. And to be able to make the newer experiences of threesomes to be something that I felt really comfortable in and I really enjoyed it. And I think it was really what I wanted the first time, which was to enjoy it, enjoy it really through your eyes of seeing how <laughs> how happy you are in those moments. And I believe the word is <laughs> in ecstasy. <laughs> yeah, ecstatic. And I think to be able to to see the growth and experience the growth for myself, and and know that that's me feeling comfortable, you know, feeling comfortable with sex, feeling comfortable with myself. You know, work I've worked through insecurities and jealousy and. I think going all the way through that was the was like a really in, incredible experience. What's the question? Kind of favorite or most surprising sexual experience from opening this up? I think it's actually not even sexual. It's uh, being loved mm. because I didn't think it was going to be possible that as a married man, first of all, who's going to fucking believe me? Right? What woman is going to be like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're not lying to me, right? And then and and then secondly, it was. You know, I, and I talked to another man here in New Zealand who's polyamorous. He's also talking about, like, sometimes on a dating app, it's really hard. They see polyamorous and the women don't want anything to do with it. I think the dating app is the kind of the wrong avenue in some for some people in some cases. Like, you're the married guy. If you're out looking to get a partner to have sex with, you're going to probably fail. That wasn't how I went about things. 
it's just kind of revealing my life to people that I'm having intimate conversations with. You know, it's like the woman that I met at the cafe and, and the, you know, a woman I met at another organization and like how I met my partner in the event in London was just like, it was just an honest, intimate conversation. We're just talking and connecting on energy. Mm -hmm. And then it comes out that I'm in this polyamorous relationship because there's already a connection. There's an energetic connection. And then it comes out, I'm in this polyamorous relationship. Like it might be weird. It might be something you won't even be able to handle. And then what happens is that because I'm a safe place to have this conversation, a hundred questions come out. Yeah. And because I've thought about these things and worked through them and I'm answering them honestly and openly, this is a different experience that the woman has. And then she might be willing to take a chance to, to create a connection with you. And it might grow to something more. So the, the advice to men is like, if you're married, you're opening up your marriage, you're wondering if women will accept you. Yes. If you're, if you're honest, transparent, and you're not expecting sex, you're really looking for intimate, real relationships. I think women are becoming more and more keen to that, at least from our perspective and our vantage point, which we're talking about before our audience, like 60 some odd percent women, women are leading the charge in this mm-hmm. conversation because they're not as fucked up about men as, as this and about loving. And because they're not as indoctrinated the same way they're indoctrinated in other ways. And like the, the reality is that that this is a growing community and from our perspective it's a growing community of people seeking to heal themselves and each other and for the most part there's a lot of ethics and transparency and love in it so yeah i would say have some hope mm-hmm. i was pleasantly surprised and now i feel like i'm growing into a relationship with another partner that's beyond my wildest dreams and as a man if you if you do the work if you really show another another woman that you're secure that you're a safe space, that you're not going to be jealous and controlling, you will already be so much of a contrast to what she's probably used to across the rest of her life that you will you will provide something we, different. You know, we're talking if about she's, if she's interested. We stand out, and now it's like before it was like, can I? Will any woman be attracted to me? And now it's like, holy shit! I just got hit on for the fifteenth time. This woman is like can i clone you like do you, you know do you have any friends that talk like you right and then you and i are also when men are approaching us and they're super vulnerable and they're really working on themselves we're more likely to give helpful advice to them gratis or just out of the because we want to see them succeed because that's the type of men we need out there right right, right. so I will say one of the biggest learning curves for me in this whole experience and if there's any other women that happen to be or want to be in my position that there's yeah there's really (laughs) it's really about allowance that has been my big journey and not shaming myself not feeling not making myself feel guilty for receiving the beautiful attention of of two incredible men being the meat and the sandwich yeah (laughs) i was gonna say how do you how do you handle both of us really being the recipient she's got Uh, capacity there's, (laughs) (laughs) there's that's a whole other conversation no obviously we can keep talking about this a lot a lot a lot and i do and i do want to yeah it's gonna be in Patreon. Yeah, we'll do part two, even sharing more intimate details because I think there's so much for me particularly that I want to share about my own sexual journey, what I've learned, where it's been hard, what what I'm still learning now. That would be really, really incredible to share. So, so Patreon is where we're gonna put the second episode, get a little bit juicier in the details. Like, look, we want to continue this conversation in the world of normalizing polyamory. We we need support to do that yeah. because we're making this a full time gig, and you know, like where we're going, we. A few hundred dollars a month is not going to get us there. We have to we have to support this conversation going forward. What we have been doing is just really finding a groove of Patreon and what we're putting in there from intimate and exclusive content. Like our journals are in there. Yeah. 
I wrote 200 pages in my journal last year. There's a lot to share and I'm willing to share more of it. But yeah, I, I want support in sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. And the three of us are, are really committed to supporting others and whether that is creating a space in this conversation or messages and interacting with people on Instagram. And I think we want to put as much time as humanly possible into this. And Patreon is how people can support that and, and support us. And, you know, we're incredibly grateful for the the people that are supporting us now. And I think, you know, my, my ask is if you find this valuable and you believe in what we're doing, we would really appreciate the support on Patreon. And, and I think there's also really valuable things that are going to be, that you'll find on there. If you found the podcast to be valuable, this is just going to be deeper, deeper levels of, what we're learning, what we're going through, and the journey as it, as it goes. Yeah. So thank you. Thank Thanks you for guys. listening. Thanks for being vulnerable. Love you guys. Love you. <laughs> Bye-bye.